Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Morning and welcome to Spoken Word. My name's Ella Fanelska, and my guest in the studio today is going to be a real treat. Um, she's brand new on the Spoken Word scene, and I discovered her uh, at the House of Bricks in July and thought she just has to be on our show. Her name is Shalice Van Wingart, and you probably haven't heard much about her, like most of us, but we're going to find out lots more today. heard a little bit of Arnie DeFranco with Heartbreak Even and I thought it would be a lovely way to introduce Shalice into the Spoken Word Studios. So welcome Shalice. Well thank you very much Ella. It's good to be here. It's great to have you here. Now I'd like to start off by asking you um, where have you come from? What are you doing? Why did you come here? Um, And take it from there. Well, um, I moved to Melbourne specifically for the spoken word scene. It's something that's been an absolute passion of mine since I first heard spoken word a few years ago. But um, before that, I've pretty much been quite a few places. I moved from South Africa when I was 11, and then I came to New South Wales for seven years, and I decided from there that I had to be a writer, so I needed to pursue writing in a city that I can find so much inspiration for. So I came to Melbourne, and from there I just kind of hopped through a few spoken word scenes and got a few mics going, and now here I am. That's awesome. And for that very reason, you are such a great guest to have on Spoken Word because Spoken Word is all about promoting the Melbourne poetry scene. Um, And so to have someone who's brand new to the scene and also brand new to Melbourne and was pulled to Melbourne for this very reason is great for us. And so my next question is, um, what is it particularly about Melbourne that pulled you here as opposed to other poetry places? Well, I'm going to have to be honest. The reason that I saw the Melbourne spoken word scene to be absolutely better than really any other scene that I've come across is because of melbournespokenword.com. I was Googling it and um, 
it's the first link that came up and it just looked so engaging. There were videos on there. There were a whole bunch of things that I could scroll through. And it was just inspiring to me because the topics that the Melbourne poets were covering was so raw and honest compared to a lot of topics that, say, for instance, um, a lot of areas in New South Wales covered. It just seemed more organic. Oh, that is such a good plug for Melbourne Spoken Word. We <laughs> love Melbourne Spoken Word. And Benjamin Soller does a stellar job. Um, mm. We've had conversations about this, like I've been on and off the scene for quite a while and pre-Melbourne Spoken Word, like how um, people would find out about gigs. You know, people would take little, like literally little hard copy flyers and you'd find things on the floor at the Dan and here and then it would just kind of snowball from there, whereas these days it's so much easier and it's it's great. Yeah, yeah. that's what I've heard because Melbourne... Um, Melbourne Spoken Word is quite new, isn't it? And I heard from a lot of fellow poets that it literally was just word of mouth and a lot of people did want to come back to that. But if it wasn't for that website, I wouldn't be finding myself here today. Oh, my God, that's so inspiring. That's awesome. Um, As you know, and many of our guests know, um, Melbourne Spoken Word also does a spoken word CD um, and their first one is called Audacious, which is coming up on my very show. Um, And, yeah, it's also a way to get your words heard. Um, And then, you know, if you're not sort of going to gigs as much, it's a way to still have access to to our amazing scene. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Excellent, excellent. I think we might hear a little bit of you. Um, So let's um, think about what poem you would like to share with the radio world first. Well, if you insist. I do. (laughs) What would you like to share first? Um, Well... I'll do, I think, Louder Than Guilty, which is the first poem that I did at House of Bricks. Mm. Um, It seemed to capture a bit of the crowd and every word in it's quite honest. So let's see if I can portray that today. Please. There are three things in humanity that have been plaguing my mind. Why do hearts break? What is hell? And where the fuck is my spine? See, I've been trying to give my fickle will time, but it's ticking, and I'm wishing I had the courage to apply my knowledge to my wisdom. It's as if we always know what to do, but there's no backup to our convictions, so we evict them. Breaking hearts over mistakes we wouldn't make if we could make a proper choice instead of sleeping them away and taking trouble as it comes. And I still wonder what happens next after my last breath, you see. I'm terrified of death. But what if hell is just another heartbreak? Wretches wailing over second circle balconies, begging for their lover to take them back while the flames lick disintegrating railings. Lovers leaning over, losing balance between the quaking and the singing of the dial tone. Dante wasn't jesting when he wrote that sad chime. The woe that is the bitterest is remembering in our wretchedness the unreturning happy times. And may I add our crimes. See, if memory was as fleeting as a traitor's kiss on the cheek of Christ, our follies would feel like just another exhale, like the last breath and the next, and we would never need to confess them. We would forget them. See, it's not the axe that sends souls to hell, it is the will, or rather, the lack of one. If I could carve another circle into inferno, it would be for spinelessness. For the unfeeling ones, the ones that take it as it comes with no compass to guide their eyes from the grey to the black and white. For the ones that make excuses, saying it's okay to lie to your lover about what happened yesternight. 
for the ones who say that drinking bottles dry at the dinner table with their children staring at their redding eyes is a fair compromise because the right to get drunk is the only thing you have left to feel like a bachelor again. Because arguing is easier when you can blame it on the alcohol and your children are too young to understand. For those who think it's paradise to chase the orgasm on a computer screen, necktie loose and unzipped jeans late at night while the wife can't see, magazine stashed under the left side of the bed six feet deep under wedding sheets. Should I turn the light out? Please. If your shoes were on my feet, I wouldn't want to witness my spouse consecrate their cravings with the click of a mouse. Am I not good enough now that sex is cheap? Now we can walk down the aisle and see Zoo right next to Dr. Seuss, justifying the fact that it's plastic wrapped as if the cover can't cover the eyes of our children. Grab the mag like you meant to. Slap down the cash and try not to cover your face from the man who sold candy apples to your kids a week ago. How's the wife? He asks with sad eyes. And your mind takes you back to the time where you couldn't help but smile. But now you trigger the happy mask, nod, and say, she's fine. Bare your chest while you justify your purchase. Just a man watching the menagerie, still adhering to monogamy, but honestly, how different are you now from what you swore you wouldn't be? See, we all claim to be free at some point in our lives until we realise we're only as free as our next decision or our next indecision binding us to the consequences. Chain link to chain link, choking up over the why and the how or the what went wrong, wringing our necks in frustration in the wish that we used the columns to hold our back together, used our parents' information, I mean. How many times have we heard our mother tell us to stand up straight? Like it was some kind of extended metaphor as if to say, take advantage of your spine instead of slouching like the missing link. As if to say, stand up for once. For yourself. For something. And at times I feel nothing. See, I'm preaching, yet I contradict everything that I'm teaching. I tango on heartstrings. And when the phone rings, I shudder with instinct. Fuck, I'm in trouble with the one that I claim to love, yet my being says hide and retreat. So I look at my feet and tap, tap, tap it to a beat that's louder than guilty. And when I do, I feel filthy. And it's the same process. Thinking of another during sex. Thinking less of what is right despite my conscience. Thinking more of a good night than the consequence. Incompetence. Telling myself that I have the right to not reply. I'm suddenly blind, suddenly shy, avoiding the eye. My point of vision is a window to my soul. So how can I face them? Face the facts that the spine-keeping structure to my back lies fractured. Sold out to what's easy. My loose decisions incinerate me or create me. Either way, I refuse for that to be me. I yearn to have the courage to face up to what I need. So please, take heed of my key. I will utilize the fire of this fury. I will make molten the wires of mistakes that I made and wrap it into a steel noose to hang my flesh. I will lift myself higher and higher until I can hear the sound of my own liberation instead of cracking hearts and loose opinions. I will make molten my spine. I will be brutal, temper my backbones with steel. I will force myself to feel so that I can finally stand up for once.
for myself. For something. Holy moly. So, so, so good. This is why I have this girl on the show this morning. Thank you, Shirley. Thank you, Ella. Uh, oopsie, I obviously didn't have my mic on. I turned it off so um, the mic could be completely for Shalice. But um, if you could hear my little daggy rants at the end, um, yes, just amazing. And that's why we have to have this girl on the radio. Um, I feel a little bit like Ricky Martin on The Voice. I want your voice. You have to be on my team. And I did. I, I raced to Shalice at House of Bricks. I wanted to snag her before Santo or George did. Um, and she's on Team Ella. So you are. Thank you again. Okay, Shalice. So now I would love to find out about your influences. So who kind of influences your poetry, but also who influences your poetic style of performance? Because um, at House of Bricks, we, I think, can fairly say we're all really blown away by your style. It, was, it wasn't over the top, but it was really owning it. And um, I know you're probably going to be embarrassed by me saying this, but it reminded me of like a kind of Goethe or Rilke. It was, it was, really, it was really just so great. It was so melodramatic and, and you were just pulling us in. Um, and so what's brought you to that? Well, that's really flattering, Ella. Um... Oh, so many influences. I remember discovering poetry firstly with the romantics. A mentor of mine introduced me. And then I started reading Lord Byron, Percy Bysshe Shelley. Mm. I was always obsessed with Shakespeare. Um, mm. Ever since I was 10 years old, I would read Shakespeare and not even knowing what it meant, I would just scroll through the pages and know that that language is amazing. Mm, the musicality of it. Yeah, mm. definitely. And um, I started just learning naturally about poetic meter and about rhythm um, from there, I really enjoyed rap. I highly love hip hop, right. and I just, especially like several artists like Macklemore's underground stuff, and um, artists that really sing about current issues or serious issues, but use poetic meter in such a way that hasn't really been used before. Awesome. But I did discover um, spoken word poetry through a poet called Levi the Poet, who's on YouTube. Um, he's very Christian, okay. but he's very honest with it as well. And a lot of my style comes from him because what he would do on stage is he would um, scream and jump around and then just be silent for two seconds and then do the same thing over. But his lyrics and his poetry was so compelling that I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I simply had to do spoken word poetry. Shalise, could you talk to us about your understanding of the power of poetry? That is a huge question, Ella. Oh, um, probably a huge question just because of how much poetry has made an impact in my life. I think it definitely has changed and built a lot of who I am. Um, the way that I really got into poetry was when I came out of religion. Like, I've always been very into lyrics, very into reading poetry plays, but especially spoken word. I found that to be so impacting when I came out of religion and I actually fell in love with a girl. So it was very, very controversial and the only way that I could deal with that was to follow in the steps of what I've seen Levi do and what I've seen the romantics do and try and express that, choosing the exact right words and discovering rhythms and different veins of poetry to 
really express myself and that's when I wrote my first extended poem which was meant to be for the spoken word but I haven't actually performed it yet and um from there a mentor introduced me to more romantics and the more I read the more I just felt myself almost being renewed in a way like that might sound a bit hippie but it's like I've just been baptized with fire Mm -hmm. whenever I write my emotions down in poetry and then when I say it when I say it to a crowd it's like waterfalls of passion just kind Mm -hmm. of you know flow out of me and it's like I don't know it's just a way for me and I guess a way for poets because they would understand this to keep purging their emotions and to keep really discovering themselves and discovering and understanding the world around them. It's like Percy Bysshe Shelley, who's one of my favourite poets of all, he said that um, poetry is a mirror which makes clear all that is distorted and I think that is one of the perfect ways Mm, to put it. That is beautiful. Mm. Um, Ram Dass, who um, he's kind of, um, how would you describe him, Goswami, like... He he's into poetry, but he's that's not his thing. He's like a yogi kind of guy, mm. and he talks about that a lot. That image of polishing the mirror, and um, I've been wanting to write a poem about it for yeah quite a while, and it you know gets little bits added to it. So you've just um, it's a really beautiful image, mm. yeah, definitely, mm. absolutely. So it's like you're kind of saying that poetry it's like a soft place to fall, um, but also like your your air and your your water and your sunshine. Definitely, it's. Like, poetry to me, personally, is my everything, you know? It's my leisure, and when I read poetry, it can calm me down from feeling really anxious. Um, But it can also really upset me and trigger me, but that's what I want, you know? Mm. I Like, my aim for my poetry is to wake up to myself and to get people to wake up to themselves instead of just sleeping around um, in their own thoughts and in their own languor Mm. um, and actually see themselves for what they are and see the world for what it is. And I think that's what poetry really can do is it can set minds on fire and hearts on fire in ways that um, humans haven't really accessed a lot of the time, especially just going through day-to-day society, reading poetry from poets which have contemplated the state of humanity for such a long time, really opened my mind personally and have opened my thoughts to so many different things that I wouldn't even have considered if I didn't pick up that first poem mm. or if I didn't write that first piece. Thank you so much. That is the power of poetry. Shalice will now share a piece with us called Bane. Restless, raw, rank in intention, spark intervention in this crass disease. It rots, it wrecks, it radiates decay. It's dark, it's deadly, it's sweet. Groan with me, relatives. Strike ablaze your Troy and leave Achilles' ankle deep still searching for Helen. He may not have found his heaven, but at least he was lucky enough to have the arrows stuck in his heels, see. Some of us aren't that blessed. Most of us, in the midst of it all, found the arrow penetrating our chest. Most of us feel just as invulnerable till we fall victim to Cupid's theft, and then what's left? Look, I'm like the blind belting secrets to the deaf if you're listening and you've never lost your breath to that first love. But we are poets. Not in occupation, but in condition. In injury. 
in trauma, tricked by that porcelain angel who melted us into tears running down the cheek of city streets, seeking salvation in the stars. But where are the stars among the smog of sulfur lights surrounding us? And where is salvation among the splintered souls scattered in alleyways? With teardrops running down the cheek of city streets, screaming, Cupid, where have you fled to? You forgot your arrow between my ribs. Come, Eros, your aim was true, you coward, where have you hid? Can't you perceive the damage done? Show yourself, come see. Skin torn open, hollow chest, heart stolen from me. Cupid, collecting innocence out of greed. Twould be less painful to run with fervence to the gallows meant for thee. And now we freeze. Here. Alone. Shivers running sharp down the white ladder of crumbling ribs. We breathe like a howling wind, pinned to that one. The first one we laid our eyes upon after that arrow stung. What a heinous act is affection. What a game of stepping stones and thin ice. What a circus act balancing on that tightrope scale. Like how far can you waddle before your limbs start to fail? How far can you go? And does it matter? It's so easy to lose your balance and bail into the fire. It seems easy enough to put one foot in front of the other and swear to your mother that you won't fall for her. But I fell in love with that arrow when that arrow brought her near. And Cupid, if you see this, we won't hide our hearts in fear. We will stand up broken-chested, ever searching for our hearts held ransom by our love. And when we seek salvation, we'll no longer look above. We'll look to the damage under the bandages. We'll look to each other. Relatives linked in heartbreak will put pen to page and pour out our souls banded together. Broken brothers and sisters, we will whisper each other whole. Oh my God, so awesome. Like just what we were talking about, about the power. Mm. The power in that piece is undeniable. Mm, Thank you. Definitely when I wrote it, it's just been a waterfall of passion again, pouring out. Mm. And you just can feel it. You can feel it and hear it Mm. and taste it in that. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now I want to ask you some technical questions. Mm. Mm, I want to get into your brain. Mm, Juicy. Yes. yes. (laughs) I've asked a couple of people uh, these questions, not on spoken word, but just amongst poet friends. And it it, it intrigues me um, about the writing process. In terms of, are you old school? Do you like paper and pen or paper and pencil, if you want to even go even more, you know, editing friendly? Or do you go straight to the keys? Well, it's been really diverse, actually. I've kept a journal since I was 15 or 16. Um, So in the last two or three years, I have filled up about six or seven journals of just writing with pen um, or pencil, I suppose. Um, And that includes all my thoughts. It includes poetic lines, poetry. um, It includes lyrics, um, quotes, just everything, ramblings. And from there, I have gotten a lot of my poetry. And that's where I usually take my writing from or I write my poems in. My latest poetry... um, I've been writing on the keys so I can work on it during class. Yeah, okay. Um, and work on it during lectures. But 
I would say my main and most um, my most powerful way of writing, which everyone everyone thinks I'm a crazy ape for doing this, but what I do if I have my room uh, my room alone to myself, or if I'm in a park. Usually, like, the way that I come up with my best poems is I'm overcome with a line or I'm overcome with passion and I need to say it or I need to scream it. So I have a whiteboard. And what I do is I would take time and just jump around and kind of scream lines out or just ramble and jump around. And when I do find a line that I like, I would grab the pen and I would write it down. It's how I wrote louder than guilty. Oh my God, that is awesome. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best answer ever. Yeah. Like, I don't know. People (laughs) haven't really come across that. Dance poetry or something. Yeah, definitely. It's, and it's almost freestyle rap as well. It's just like, I am overcome with a passion or an emotion or a topic that I need to face um and then I just I just ramble like Mm -hmm. speaking in poetic tongues and then it just comes out and it goes on the whiteboard and from there a piece emerges so you just feel it in your body oh yeah and then it's just got to get out it has to get out it's like it's like with me like I discovered dance a year or so ago and it's like the beat it just has to get out exactly you just got to shake it out exactly and that's what um Robert Frost said which is what I paraphrase in Bane is that um to be a poet is not an occupation it's a condition Mm, and I think that rings true so much to me especially there's no choice yeah exactly This leads me to my next question um, about your writing process. So still staying with um, your technique, do you set yourself firm timelines and timeframes and treat it like a job or do you kind of wait for that bubbling inside and then just find snatches of time? Hmm. Well, we talked a bit before about having no choice and I think that's kind of still how I feel. I feel like... Every now and then I would either wake up with a line or I'd be overcome with um, some sort of need to write about a certain topic or a passion. So the whole um, inspiration thing comes like far too often for me. I'd be juggling like four or five poems that I simply need to get down. And because of that, I do need to invest a lot of time in it. So um, especially over weekends or if I have days off or hours off, I try and dedicate as much time to it as possible. Um, And because I do live with a lot of friends, I have to go out to new places to discover new things, new inspirations and to get some quiet time for myself because it's quite hard. So I would go to bars um, or pubs or parks or just really wherever the wind blows, um, coffee shops especially as well. And because of that, I get to see and meet a lot of new people. I get to eat food. I get to um just surround myself in a place that I'm not usually surrounded by and that gives me a lot of inspiration anyway um but yeah usually it's it's quite hard juggling the amount of stuff that I have to write that comes into my mind so time is too much of a limit for me even though um I do set myself time it kind of just the poetry overflows like my muse just keeps talking and then I have to find as much time as possible to write and then I go and explore and meet new people and it all just kind of works out. That's fantastic. I think that a lot of listeners um, or poet listeners listening would be quite jealous of that because I know people 
can kind of cut out time and then the, the muse isn't there. Mm. So that's really interesting that you find it more bubbling over and it's like, oh, I need to find somewhere to pour it into. So. Well, it's definitely a wrestle. Like even though the um, passion is still there, the wrestle comes so hard. You know, you know what you want to say, but you don't know how to say it. So it's like wrestling with God. But, you know, as soon as your, as soon as your poem is there, it's like you're just baptised with fire. It's a really beautiful experience. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. Shalice will leave us with one final piece called The Origins of Affection. Stem it from that rose blush which blossomed the capacity of this heart, or from the wild figure fashioned in my quiet makeshift hearth. Stem it from the blood orange and swollen blue dusk when the hills drank the sun, my ears ever attentive to your musings my own drink of fire as you spoke into the dark. Stem it from the creases of crumpled up unsent letters and ever-worn white dresses, exclusive gazes penetrating the recesses of my affections. The roots are deep, wound around the cords of the switch that lets me sleep. What strange, delicate plant has grown in me what from it shall I reap? She was hungry, so hungry She was trying to think clear Looking at the mustard and the beer. <laughs> <laughs> 